Welcome to Mad Unreal and the 007 and Counting special series. We recorded this up uh, maybe a day or two before the most recent reshuffling of the No Time to Die release date. Uh, so at the time we recorded this up, um, that movie was scheduled to drop November 25th of this year. And now, of course, it's been pushed to April um, of 2021 and maybe even beyond April. Um, who knows? But regardless of the No Time to Die release date, we're going to keep on doing this. So after this episode, after you enjoy the Skyfall deep dive, look out for the Spectre deep dive um, in a few weeks. All right. So sit back and enjoy. Peace. Mad Unreal. This is Arthur. That is Isaac. And we are continuing our series, 007 and Counting, um, our series of shows leading up to the release of the 25th Bond film and Daniel Craig's uh, last go in the title role of James Bond. Uh, releasing in November. What's the date? I always forget. The uh, right now it is the 25th in the U.S. Um, for the uh, for our U.K. listeners, uh, which I'm sure there are legions, um, it's November 12th. Um, but yeah, here in the U.S., <laughs> November 25th. At the moment, subject to change. But they've been putting out so many right. promos, so much stuff for this film. I mean. You know, not only did we get that great trailer a couple weeks ago, um, Mm -hmm. now I've seen, you know, they did a a special on uh, uh, Remy Malik's character. They did something, a promo for him on Instagram. I saw Um, every week or every other day, it seems like the 007, you know, uh, YouTube channel slash Instagram page and Twitter Twitter page. They're just they're pumping out stuff, man. It's like they're determined. So November 25th right now. Day before Thanksgiving in the United States, um, I got to figure out how I'm going to see this movie because clearly they're not putting this on a streaming service. And I, you know, I I don't necessarily blame them. Um, Tenet did not do terrible. And there are other films, including Black Widow, Marvel's Black Widow, that are being delayed. So they're going to own Thanksgiving in the u.s <laughs> literally they're um, gonna be the so, only movie in the theater <laughs> you know right. you know it'd be, you know it'd be really cool if they and they couldn't say this because it would it would impact sales you know in mm-hmm. november and december but it'd be really dope if they had it in there if eon had it in their mind and the the um the movie chains had it the, the theater chains had it in their mind that they're going to put no time to die in the theaters in november with the mindset of just leaving it in the theaters until say mm. spring or summer, you know what I'm saying? Just leave mm-hmm. it. Like remember, cause back, you know, a million years ago, even before you and I were here, but it, still, I think even when we were kids, remember the movie was staying in theater for a long time. Man. If it was, if it was popular, it was staying in the theater for damn near a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah. of course I, now I do with, remember. Yeah. Now with VOD and with, um, you know, Blu-ray and streaming, it's like movies, even the popular ones, you know, three months, maybe. You know, and then boom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But wouldn't that that would be dope if that if they had it in mind? Say, you, we're just going to leave this thing in the theater for you know six months, eight months. You know, just leave it there. Right. Um, that right. would be because it would allow time for people, obviously, who 
who are hesitant, you know, it would allow time for that. And then it would allow time for people who love the movie to just keep going back, you know, for multiple viewings. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be really cool. Well, let's uh, let's just do a rundown of the structure of, of of these episodes. And to be clear, we are focusing this episode on a review of the film Skyfall, which was Daniel Craig's third James Bond film released in 2012, which was the 50th anniversary of the James Bond franchise. Um, It followed Quantum of Solace, which is uh, not a favorite of most fans. We did a previous episode on uh, on that, our review of Quantum of Solace. But Quantum of Solace was uh, successful. It did almost... No, I was going to say, I just wanted to point out that a couple listeners hit us up on Twitter um, and, you know, kind of supported because I think both both you and I, especially me, you know, I definitely, you know, revealed the fact that I have a um, uh, unhidden love for Quantum of Solace and a very realistic love for that for Mm -hmm. Quantum of Solace because I'm very much aware of his flaws. Um, yeah, but you know, I think both of us kind of fell on the side of, Hey, you know, even though this movie isn't great, we still have some love for it. And a couple of listeners hit us up on Twitter to let us know that they, they supported the film. Um, one of whom hadn't seen that. I, I don't think had seen the film yet. Um, but as a result of us talking about it, wanted to go and peep it. So it's always good for that to happen. So, uh, but yeah, this definitely one of the most polarizing films in the series and that leads us into mm-hmm. the atmosphere for for this film but i'm sorry i interrupted you were going to break down the structure for how we do these reviews yes so uh we want to start out with with mad facts which is just uh, a quick look at the state of the franchise uh prior to this film's release um we're going to talk about our feelings on the pre-title sequence and the song, the title sequence, along with the uh, the theme song, which is always an event in a Bond picture. Uh, then we're going to move into what we call Rated Bond, which is just this discussion about overall how we would rate Bond in this film. Uh, everything from his clothing and attitude, uh, decisions, etc. Uh, just how great or not great is he in this movie? Then we move uh, to the women versus the villain, how we feel about the quote-unquote Bond girl or girls in this case, uh, and also the villain, um, those performances and how they, how they, how they weigh up against uh, other films. Uh, and, you know, probably tie it all off with some last words. And then there's a segment of Q&A, Question on Arthur where Isaac comes up with some questions. He had some pretty good questions this last time. Yeah, you was, you was, you, you, you I got hurt. I second myself on, on <laughs> yeah, one you of got, them. You got, what'd you get, one out of three, I think, last time? Yeah. I did, I got one out of three. Yeah. Um, okay. Second guess myself out of two out of, but hey, it's, uh, you know, it's all in good fun. The first, first round I aced, I heard you didn't mention that, so I'll just go ahead and put that <laughs> right, in. Go ahead and throw that in. Um, okay, cool. So let's get started. Um, Mad Facts for... Skyfall. What was the state of the Bond franchise universe at this time? Well, it was it was definitely positive, even though Quantum of Solace didn't do as well as Casino Royale. Um, it didn't do poorly. It it earned almost six hundred million global at the box office. Um, the excitement toward Daniel Craig overall. Um, and also the delay between 
the release of Quantum of Solace and the release of um, Skyfall, which I believe was about four years. Yeah, so the, yeah, because, because there was uh, Quantum drops in 2008, and they had announced that the next Bond film would be 2010. That was the plan. So they were, that would have been mm-hmm. so. You got Casino in 2006, Quantum in 2008. So the plan was every two years at that point. Um, and there was, mm-hmm. I think I remember seeing a poster, you know, Bond 23, you know, 2010. 20, uh, um, so that was the plan, yeah. MGM fell into, was the distributor of the films, fell into some serious financial hardship and even entered into uh, bankruptcy. And that became a problem uh, for that 2010 timeline and delayed the film an additional uh, two years for release. Uh, there were also some writer issues. The original writer had bowed out of the project early and uh, was replaced by a, a, a three-person writing team, Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and John Logan. And they had uh, created, effectively probably rewrote most, if not all, of the original uh, treatment into what is now Skyfall. So they clearly bounced back um, because once Skyfall was released... Uh, I mean, the film earned over a billion dollars. So it did, I mean, it did more than, basically twice, Mm -hmm. about twice as much as Quantum of Solace Mm -hmm. did. And it didn't hurt that it was the 50th anniversary of the franchise in 2012 that they were releasing Skyfall. It didn't hurt that London had the Olympics that year. And uh, I believe in the kickoff ceremony, there was a, a, a promotional film that was done where James Bond and Queen Elizabeth II are kind of going through the city and ultimately jump out of a helicopter or or plane of some sort, you know, and parachute down into uh, the stadium where the opening ceremony of the Olympics were having. So it was a big deal. This one was a big deal. It was a big deal. And I think that it was a big deal. And I think that it, um, you know, the, the excitement that was generated by Casino Royale you know, introducing, we, you know, as we talked about and we did the deep dive on that episode or on that, that movie on, uh, on, on episode two, no, three of, uh, 007 and counting. Um, mm-hmm. it reignited the bond franchise after that gap between, you know, die another day, um, and Casino Royale. And it also, you know, introduced, you know, Daniel Craig and just answered a lot of questions and put, you know, destroyed a lot of doubts basically. But it was a very, mm-hmm. in retrospect, I can say it was a really a Bond film. In other words, yeah, there was a lot mm-hmm. of casual viewership for that movie. A lot of people who weren't serious Bond fans obviously would go see that movie. Um, but it really ignited things for Bond fans. And I think Quantum, you know, again, being so polarizing, kind of threw um, a lot of cold water on that excitement. Um, so this film leading up into Skyfall, I think the stakes were high, man. And it was it, the stakes were high. And also because it, it was the 50th anniversary of this franchise um, and nothing is guaranteed. So, you know, this, this franchise right. is not guaranteed to stick around. So every film um, when you follow, especially you're following a film that wasn't very well received and didn't perform the way you wanted it to perform. Um, the stakes get a little higher. So there was, there was, there was pressure, I think um, to make this one great. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see if it lived up. Um, let's move to our second section, pre-titles and song. Now, the pre-title sequence, which is usually action-based, 
usually, or at least I should say sometimes unrelated to the main story. This mm-hmm. one actually did a couple of things. One being that it was tied to the overall story, uh, but also introduced uh, a new character. Um, but let me let you get into it because the first time mm-hmm. I know I jumped the gun and I just started talking about how much I didn't like the, t- <laughs> the, <laughs> the titles time, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, didn't care time. anything about the title sequence. <laughs> right, right. On Quantum, yeah, you did. You did kind of jump into it real early. But I, I, so I think what's in, what you just said is interesting, though, is because previously before the Craig era, yeah, a lot of the pre-title sequences had nothing to do with, you know, the, the, the larger story. A lot of them, not all of them. You know, um, I remember yeah. going, even if you go back to like um, the first one, um, uh, from Russia with Love, which was the first pre-title sequence, that did have something to do with the, with the story. Um, but then when you mm-hmm. go back to, I'm trying to think of a, a quick example. Um, uh, shit, a lot of the Pierce the Pierce Brosnans. Spy who loved me. Okay, Spy who loved me. Well, actually, no, wait a minute, because he wasn't he being chased by. Uh, um, oh Russians, right, he was being girl, chased yeah. by the boyfriend. Right, who ends up, you know, who he ends up killing, and that provides all the uh, the tension between him and um, the the, uh, the Russian agent throughout the film. But anyway, there are examples, like you said, of that not happening. But the Craig era is definitely every title sequence has to do with the larger story. Even with Casino, when he gets you know his first mm-hmm. or his second kill, and he's just, you know he establishes himself as a double O, um, that has to do with the themes that we get for the rest of the movie. So. That's interesting, but okay, yeah. This one for Skyfall, um, this mission is what jumpstarts the rest of the movie, and we do get interest. We do get introduced to to Eve, um, who is it? Mm-hmm. You know, Naomi Harris's character, who by herself was interesting, but then you know holds a little bit more significance by the time you get to the end of the film. But this, my my thoughts on this title sequence, Arthur. I think that it was. And I'm trying not to compare it to Quantum or um, Casino Royale, but putting it in the context, you know, of, you know, coming right after Quantum or the, the first movie we get after Quantum, one of the huge um, kind of uh, uh, beefs that everyone had with Quantum was the editing style. You couldn't tell what was going mm-hmm. on in the action. So immediately mm-hmm. here we get a lot of action in this title sequence that you can follow. And you it's, it's almost like. <clears throat> even for those of us who like quantum, it was kind of like a sigh of relief because it's like, okay, within the first few minutes of Skyfall, you know, at least Sam Mendez, we know that we're going to be able to follow whatever action is going on. And, and that's not going to be a complaint of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, that was interesting, but also we get bond showing up with the earpiece, you know, in, in the opening moments um, there's no gun barrel. We don't get a gun barrel sequence. We get him stepping into the hallway, which, you know, Sam Mendez right. later said was kind of like his gun barrel, but there's no actual gun barrel sequence. So again, it's kind of this, um, throwing off of, you know, bond tradition. We're not going to do that. Um, we get him with the earpiece connected to directly to MI6, which was kind of weird because we've never seen him do that, but it was a very agent in the field on a tactical mission type, you know, feeling to it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and then, and then again, he, we, we get Eve, we're immediately introduced to Naomi Harris's character. Um, the stakes are put out that something is missing, you know, a hard drive or something is missing. That's apparently very important. But I think what was most interesting to me about this title sequence is that Bond technically loses, you know, in the title sequence. Um, mm-hmm. not just cause he gets shot, which is always an indication that you probably lost, 
but also because right. he his mission is to prevent um what's i forgot ola rapace's uh character's name um but he his miss his 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 mission is to prevent him from escaping with this hard drive which is you know as we come to find out is a list of all the you know intelligence agents embedded in mm-hmm. you know covert operations all over the all over the world um not just british but other intelligence agents agents as well from uh from quote unquote allies so bond fails in that and i can't you know i, I would have to really think about it, but i don't know if there's another title sequence that shows him failing um but i for one i've heard other bond fans have issues with this you know say that's not how you open the film you know you should show him you know mm-hmm. you want to see bond triumph over whatever he's dealing with but and you know as i said that i just went back to the world is not enough technically you could say he failed and the world is not enough technically because you remember mm-hmm. pierce brosnan's bond um brings back the money mi6 blows up he goes in pursuit of the assassin um and instead of capturing the assassin she kills herself and and and, and that's one of the best, actually, that's one of the best title sequences in the entire series, in my opinion. But anyway, in this one, you know, in Skyfall, Bond fails, but I was perfectly okay with it because it set up something we haven't seen before. It set mm-hmm. up Bond when he hits the water and the great, you know, um, that song, the, the Adele song starts, you immediately know, okay, where is this going to go? We, we obviously know Bond's not dead. Um, but it's an immediate kind of sense of, okay, this is different. And where is this going to go? Um, and I, I was okay with that. I don't know. How did you feel about it? Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And Bond definitely loses. Yes. He's actually shot twice. I mean, once by, by Eve. Right. His, right. Um, yeah. His, um, well, there, there's a lot that's going on in this title sequence. I mean, First, we have Bond in pursuit of uh, Patrice. Patrice is the Patrice, name of right. Ola's Patrice. character. Yeah, um, we're we're dealing with uh, uh, we're dealing with the knock list, which is also uh, an issue in was it the first Mission Impossible where right. there was a knock yeah. list that yeah. was out? Yeah, in the field? exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think it's it is kind of a trope. It is a very kind of basic, you know, spy thriller trope yeah there's a list we wrote down yeah. everybody's name <laughs> and then we put it someplace <laughs> and now somebody's got yeah, it. yeah <laughs> now somebody else has it <laughs> like well why did you put all these names in one place <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah okay um but there's some so there's some foreshadowing that's going on one being early before the before pursuit of, before bond's pursuit of patrice one we see bond really as part of a collaborative operation mm. And when he goes into this room and he finds almost everybody dead except his his um, younger counterpart, his fellow agent. Yeah, yeah I forget. The, I forget that cat's Bronson, name. Ronson. He's in communication. Yeah. Ronson. He's in communication with M and Tanner. Um, and M is basically like, leave him. Mm-hmm. We don't have any time for you to stop the bleeding. Get after that list. We need that list. Bond is fighting her to say that, look, I just need to stop the bleeding. She's like, nope, just leave him. Uh, so we see that M has this predisposition of giving up her agents for the goal, whatever that goal may be. And we see that come back to haunt M 
through particularly later parts particularly of the film. because this goal is basically also tied to saving her own ass because it's like because remember mm. mallory says to her later our allies don't even know that list exists you know what i'm saying and now it's out in the wild it's in the right, open right um so particularly also you know if to, just to be if we're going to be cynical about it it's not just the mission that matters to him it's also shit i'm going to get you know if that list gets out in the open it's going to be all on me so fuck Ron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and bond is like trying yeah. to stop the bleeding and she's like no just go so yeah that was that was interesting and then the reason that Neil, the reason that eve shoots naomi harris's character shoots bond is because she is at a critical point where because bond and patrice they're fighting on the roof of a train which i don't even think is physically <laughs> i'm not, not i mean like just physically i mean i'm talking about physics, yeah, physics if that's yeah, even possible right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably not and <laughs> you know and m orders her to take the shot mm-hmm. he fully informs m look this is not a clear shot i may hit bond i might hit <laughs> i may i may hit i may hit the start of this franchise <laughs> right. this m is like want this movie i don't to end care I don't think we can carry the rest of this film, <laughs> M. You know, so we so we do so we do see M being put in the position of making her people expendable. Mm-hmm. And when uh there's that pause that happens when M and Tanner back at MI six, they hear the shot audibly through their head through their, you know, their earpieces or whatever the speakerphone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Finally, you know, you hear E's voice, Agent mm-hmm. Down, and then Tanner kind of looks mm-hmm. at M, and M just turns and faces the window. Which is beautiful because if you really listen, first of all, did you watch this movie on Blu-ray or did you stream it? I streamed okay. it. Next time you watch it, bro, watch this on Blu-ray. This we're okay. gonna get into it, but there's and I'll get into the reasons why. But watch it on Blu-ray. But one of them is sound also because, as you know, there's nothing better than Blu-ray sound and. You, when yeah. you hear that the rain falling as e as as Eve as M turns towards the window, and mm-hmm. that rain is falling, it it really brings you into the water element of when Bond hits that water. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's mm-hmm. it's a very it's one of those kind of like movie moments that you can tell that they did purposefully, but it's something that you know kind of works subconsciously for you as the viewer. Um, yeah. But also, really quick, it was interesting. You you said how M. It's kind of um, how Bond is, you know, communicating with M and M is like mission first and kind of, you know, the expendability of the agents that you kind of get in that mm-hmm. opening, the, that title sequence. We've seen M in previous movies, you know, kind of remind Bond, OK, it's the mission, motherfucker. It's not about your personal stuff. It's not about this, that or the third. Mm-hmm. We've seen that mm-hmm. going all the way back to Bernard Lee, you know, and, and Connery um, and Goldfinger. You know, when he, mm-hmm. he comes, he tells him, Look, don't make this personal, 007. Um, famously in, in Living Daylights, remember when uh, uh, Timothy Dalton's Bond doesn't want to go after the Russian, you know, he doesn't believe that this Russian general is actually doing all this homicidal type shit. And he, you know, at that point, uh, M, M says to him, you know what, I'll just call, you know, 00, I forget, I think it was 006 or somebody from Hong Kong, you know, he'll do it. He follows orders, not like you. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so we've seen these moments where, but this was very, this was very kind of like, um, I don't want to say cold, but it was more so in the whole spy kind of like, you know, traditional spy context of, you know, you're an agent, you're in the field, you got an earpiece in, 
Your boss is telling you to stay on mission, go do this, go do that, report, tell me what's going on, report, mm-hmm. report, report. That mm-hmm. was different. We hadn't seen that in, in, a, in a Bond movie before. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because the um, the way the chase scene works, it's, it's um, and I keep saying Naomi and Eve interchangeably, but just know I'm talking about Naomi Harris. Um, her character, she's driving while Bond is fighting Patrice on this train. And she's the one that has basically got to tell the boss, look, I, I can't really describe this to you. Bond is in pursuit. <laughs> when in reality, it's like, I got to explain to you how, first of all, this dude got on, got right. on the train. Right. And now I got to introduce the fact that I'm, you know, I'm trying to avoid these VW Beatles that Bond is knocking off because he's in this Earth Mover. You know, and it's like there's all this stuff that you really don't want to know. You just want the result of yeah, it. Yeah, and you get the sense immediately that Bond is the veteran agent, um, and that Eve is a newcomer, even though she's she's handling herself. You know, what I'm saying, and she's you know she's, yeah. she's not a yeah. chump. But you do get the sense that you know Bond grabs the wheel, you know, to draw, you know, to uh, drive Patrice off the road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Bond, you know, mm-hmm. uh, takes the motorbike and you know just goes off the bridge, off yeah, off the bridge, so he can get on the train. You know, so you get the sense that this dude not only is the he's not only a veteran, he's 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 wild, he's Bond. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he's doing right, shit that right. he was like, okay, Bond is still in pursuit, doing some very crazy type shit, basically. And I, I had the feeling that. He- Eve had his, if not his full confidence that, you know, we were beyond just trainer trainee mode. He was mentoring her. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is how you get it done. And, you know, stay, you know, stay with me without me having to tell you to stay with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And wasn't it, wasn't there a remark where, oh, there was later in the film. Okay, we'll get to it. But, but there was, there, there, there's a scene where, that harkens back to Casino Royale where he tells Naomi, don't touch your ear. Yeah, Stop touching yeah, your ear. yeah, that, that does happen. We can talk about it now because it, it, it happens in Casino Royale. It happens early. He tells uh, Carter because when they're in, uh-huh, in the pre in the pre-title, the pre-title? Yeah. no, it was right after the pre-titles. Um, cause he, yeah, oh, right yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It was right after the pre-titles. Yeah, that, it, that it's funny because that those scenes feel like they should be pre-titles. But yeah, it's right after the pre-titles. And he tells Carter, stop touching your ear. And Carter's like, what? You know, <laughs> all, that's that's when shit jumps <laughs> off. But yeah, he tells Eve the same thing. What, but this brings up another uh, very quickly something I want to touch on and get your opinion on. OK, Quantum Casino Royale, he's the younger, you know, probably mid 30s um, agent who just gets his double O status. Right. Mm hmm. Quantum takes place literally right after Casino Royale. So mm-hmm. we can say, you know, maybe some months have passed because in Casino, you know, he gets, you know, Vesper dies. And then we, we assume it's a couple months or whatever before he, you know, locates Mr. White. But he's still the younger agent. And so Quantum, he's still the younger agent. So then Skyfall comes and he's a veteran and he's old. Right. You know, and that's, that becomes a theme of the yep. movie. So yep. <clears throat> a lot of I've heard a lot of people like express a lot of, you know, that that didn't make any sense. And why did they do that? You know, and really, in retrospect, is because there's supposed to be a movie between Quantum and this movie. So there's supposed to be a, you know, that 2010 movie probably would have featured, you mm-hmm. know, him being, you know, an experienced agent, but not a not an old man, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they could have easily explained this away by somehow giving some port, some form of dialogue or something to let you know that a lot of time had passed between Quantum and Skyfall, because um, it was a little bit odd for to go from Quantum 
to all of a sudden he's this grizzled old, you know, agent or whatever. Right. And it's like, right. why he's, why now he's mentoring somebody, you know, he's, even when he comes in and he looks at Ronson, you can tell Ronson is like a, Ronson is like the, the, the casino Royale version of him, you know? Um, so that was, that was interesting. What did you think about that? Did that, did that kind of distract you all or you were cool with that? Um, I was cool with it. I think I remember that in real time, I just, I just presumed that some time had passed and Bond was, uh, you know, a, a, a respected workhorse basically. And I think that was achieved mm-hmm. through the acting, through the way Craig carried himself, like, he's completely over Vesper, whatever he did, be it, he packed it away, compartment, whatever you, he's not dealing with Vesper anymore, her or her ghost. Um, the way that Tanner responds to him, the way that M, you know, is responding to him, Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, lends to, you know, he, he's our guy. Mm -hmm. Um, even with, with Mallory coming in, who is now we we see as you know M's you know new boss, the intermediary intermediary between M as the head of Secret Services and the Prime Minister, mm-hmm. um, goes in to personally check on Bond. Right. Um, says something about Bond's status. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's a young in man's or, in, game. In the yeah, organization. It's a young man's game. You should just stay dead. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that in rated Bond. But. Uh, that the whole, you know, because in this pre-title sequence is very apparent, you know, that he's the older veteran agent. And I think it was a little jarring. I remember being in the theater being like, wow, this is interesting. Or even when I saw the trailer, um, you know, following Quantum of Solace, that was that was interesting. But OK, so out of the pre-titles, um, you know, Bond hits the water and, you know, we hear Adele's song. Or actually, yeah, we hear the music start, but then we see that female hand. You know, you, you get like kind of a segue from real, you know, real time action into we're yeah. starting the title sequence. So then you see yeah. that female hand animation come up and grab Bond. What were your thoughts on the actual title sequence and the and the song? This one I really liked. Um, I wasn't a fan of Quantum of Solace, but this one I really liked, even though it got back to that same trope of. Uh, you know, naked women and Bond running with a gun. Mm-hmm. It was done in a really fluid way that blended him falling into the water to M turning away, looking out the window to, you know, to the rain and how you sonically described how the water mm-hmm. uh, could be heard. And then we transition into, uh, into the title sequence. Um, there's, there's the continuation of this theme of water, deep water, mm. um, Bond being in over his head. Mm. Um, and I think Adele, take it as a package, you know, the excitement over Skyfall, the excitement that's the 50th anniversary of the franchise, and, and you know, Bond, 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 mm. um, that we're, you know, swaying for the fence on this one to make, to make it, you know, to make it right, um, was smart. Mm. Um, I, I like the song. I like her voice. I think it was really well suited, uh, you know, for for this for this sequence. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my pinnacle is is um, Casino Royale, right? Um, you know, uh, and and that was 
I would say, you know, 90, 96%, you know, computer generated here, you had, you know, a little more, a lot of computer generation, but I mean, you know, you had a little more filming of actual people, you know, be it the women kind of, you know, doing the, doing the dance Mm -hmm. and all that. Um, It just worked for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And this was the return of Daniel Kleinman um, designed the titles and he, he didn't do um, quantum. And a lot of fans felt that, including you, um, noticed, you know, immediately noticed the difference. But he came back for this film. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm with you. I thought it was I thought it was a great title sequence. I liked <clears throat> it's always good when you get a really good, strong, like a real strong nod to the film within the title sequence. And it's one of those things where it works better in reverse, because after you've seen the movie, then you go back and you look at it again and you really understand the imagery that you were seeing in the title sequence. But I love how mm-hmm, that works, mm-hmm. um, even in advance of that. And I thought that there was a very nice mix between um, that theme of young and old, because it starts, you know, we get Bond's eyes as a young boy, you know, looking into Skyfall. What we learn is later, you know, his childhood home. And then by the end of the title sequence, you get Bonds, you know, as an older man, you know, you get his eyes and you see that. So it was basically a journey through him um, that we mm-hmm. that the title sequence portrayed. I thought the the colors were beautiful. Um, the actual typography mm-hmm. was dope. Um, and Adele's song, you know, I've said it on, on our sister podcast, The Music Snobs. Um, I've said I'm not a big Adele fan. Um, I, you yeah. know, I, we did a, a really good show a couple of years ago where we kind of didn't necessarily pit them against each other, but just discussed Adele and uh, Amy Winehouse. Um, and I, you know, I came down on mm-hmm. the side of Amy as far as, you know, what I prefer. But this song, um, I, you know, I immediately liked the first time I heard it. And it's it's a really, it has, it has a bond element to it. Um, I'll give you an example. For, for Recently, I heard uh, uh, For Your Eyes Only, you know, the Sheena Easton song. Okay. And which I remember as a little kid liking that song. But Mm -hmm. as I heard it, I realized, okay, this is a really good pop song. It's not a Bond. It's not a James Bond song. There's really no Mm -hmm. Bond element in that song. It doesn't sound Mm -hmm. like a James Bond song. Whereas Skyfall Mm -hmm. and songs of that ilk immediately can tell this is a James Bond film. This is not some song that Adele would just put out. Um, Right. Right. This is a James Bond song. And um, the lyrics I thought were really good. Um, I like the the first line, you know, this is the end, you know, and it's like you, you're seeing him float through the water, blood coming out. You know, it's just everything worked. It all worked. And it mm-hmm. it kind of, again, it announced to you that this is going to be um, a big, you know, big movie. Big. This is a movie's movie. Um, so that, I thought it was yeah, a good start. It was a return to form, I think. Um, I felt like Adele, you know, listened to some of the great Shirley Bassey themes, particularly Diamonds and Forever, mm-hmm. to show up mm-hmm. for this, to try to deliver at that scale. Right. And she's got that really nice, that rich tenor to her voice mm-hmm. um, that complimented the the, uh, the orchestra. Yeah, she had the big, she hit the big, she had the big moments in the song, and then she also had, she did a very good job of kind of like caressing the lyrics and the the phrasing and the smaller parts. Cause one of my, mm. my favorite Shirley Bassey song isn't um, diamonds or Goldfinger. Um, although I objectively, I can understand why those are considered the best, but my favorite mm-hmm. Shirley Bassey bond song as of last year 
when I really started listening to the song closely is Moonraker. Um, I love that song. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that is because of mm-hmm. the way that Shirley caresses those lyrics and she really makes you feel it. Um, and I think Adele did a good job of, of that, of that too, you know, and in, in, in conjunction with the bigger moments. So we're giving a thumbs up basically to the, um, to the pre-titles and the titles and the song, which moves us into the next section. Rated Bonds. This is, now, this is the meat of every one of these reviews. Yeah, because we yeah. talk about the discussion about Bond mm-hmm. himself. Right. So, this is okay. Uh, I kind of <laughs> take. A I kind of come at this from a different <laughs> angle because, again, I can, I don't want to keep bringing up quantum through this whole, you know, review. But at the same time, it's hard to ignore because, like we talked about, this was, you know, going mm-hmm. into Skyfall, you were, you know, Quantum was the last film, and it was a it was a polarizing movie. But I was one of those people that really liked, you know, I think that for one thing, in terms of looks, I think Daniel Craig looked the best in Quantum. Like that was the perfect, that was the best he looked as James Bond Um, from everything from Uh his physical build to the clothing, everything, um, the way he carried himself in the movie. Um, In Skyfall, the Bond we get in Skyfall, just to deal with the, the aesthetic before we get into the actual character, just to deal with Bond aesthetically in Skyfall. Um, still in great shape. I, it was interesting, man, because you see him in the first, I don't know what, one third of the movie he's where he has, he has all that stubble, um, which I don't yeah. think we've seen a bond previously who was kind of like in, you know, bearded to some extent, you know? Um, and I dug that. I thought, I thought he looked good with, you know, mm-hmm, with the stubble mm-hmm, and he looked, mm-hmm. he looked rough, you know, he looked a little rougher, mm-hmm. but you know, still, the gentleman's gentleman, but he, you know, he looked like, um, I think Craig looked better with, um, a little stubble, the suits though, the suits were, and I want to get your opinion on this. Neither you nor I has to wear suits on a daily basis, you know, um, even pre pandemic, no, you know, we we never had to do that, but, and, you know, our sartorial brother in arms, uh, Jay, who was much more sartorial, you know, um, uh, minded than either you or I, He's not here to, to give us the insider knowledge, especially as a Brit. Um, he probably would have a lot to say about this. But the suits in Skyfall, I think they're Tom Ford. I think Tom Ford has done all of uh, uh, Craig's, Sky, mm-hmm. Craig's, Craig's uh, wardrobe in all the films. They were a little tight, Arthur. A little snug. <laughs> a little tight. Silver like that, <laughs> right. we saw. As we came to find out, that was all right with Silva. That was okay with him. <laughs> but um, yeah. I remember at the time, and I saw this movie, I should say, I saw this movie in London, um, 2012. Uh, went to hang out uh, for a couple weeks in London, uh, kicked it with Jay. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. went to go see um, Skyfall. So the first time I saw the film was in London. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it, this this movie has a very British, you know, English feel to it. Um Mm-hmm. A lot of it takes place in London. And so I'm curious, you know, I, Tom Ford is an American, obviously, but the suits at that point in time in 2012, that was the style, you know, very tight, you know, fitting suits like that. That was the style. Um, and I think that it came to a head for me and Spectre, but in Skyfall, it's again, just dealing with aesthetics first, even though those suits were very tight, I think overall Craig looked good. You know, he, he looked he looked good for the most part. He had darker suits. Um, you know, he always even in that that pre title sequence, man, he's, you know, out in the field in, in Turkey, you know, um, on the on the chase. And he was he was GQ, you know, what I'm saying he, he looked like Bond should look. 
Um, and it was a very much a contrast to the way he looked in Casino Royale. You made the point on our Casino Royale review of how he kind of evolved, you know, um, sartorially mm-hmm. throughout Casino Royale. If you compare how he looks in Skyfall to how he looked for the most part in Casino Royale, you do get you you get the idea. OK, this is a guy who has matured a lot, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he even he didn't look like that in Casino Royale. Um, so you get, you do get that evolution, but overall I thought aesthetically, I thought he looked good. How did you think he looked in, in, in Skyfall? I, I thought he looked good. I did think that the suits were impractical because of the tight fit. Mm. It's hard to run. <laughs> right. As, and as, and I, I don't think I've ever seen Craig do as much running as I've seen him do in this film. Mm. Cause you have to imagine in the sequence where he's chasing Silva after Silva has escaped in London. He's escaped from MI6. You know, he's chasing him through the tunnels. You know, we have that disaster with the train, mm. you know, and, and Bond runs from, basically he runs from MI6 well, he ru- chasing Silva right. Right. through subway stations, through tube stations, through the underground up top, you know, running to where M is giving testimony in front of the uh, uh, subcommittee of the House of Commons. He, this man is running mm. in some tight pants, <laughs> and that's not that's not easy to <laughs> do. It's not practical. Yeah, I do know from reading some of the behind the scenes stuff that he did have, like I think for um, like that pea coat that he wore uh, in Shanghai at the airport where he's yeah yeah where he's. Uh, Right, I do know chasing Patrice. Right, I do know that he they had a couple of different sizes for that. Like one was a smaller size just for like regular shooting, and then for those action sequences, they had a bigger size so he could actually move around in it. So that that proves your that's mm-hmm. to your point. That's exactly what that is. You know, like that's impractical to be in them tight ass suits. You know, chasing somebody around Turkey. Um, yeah. I'm not sure who outfitted Pierce Brosnan. I mean, I want to say that he was wearing Brioni. I think that was, yeah. I think it was Brioni. Look at us, man. We ain't, Jay ain't even here. Look at us. We representing. We know, like, labels and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think that you was know, Those seem to be more, much more suited to what Bond, to Bond would have done. And I do believe that as tactical as Bond was, he would have thought through a tactical wardrobe, mm-hmm. given the scenario. Mm-hmm. That basically, wherever I am, some shit could jump mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get into Bond as you know the character and how he performed in this film as the, the, okay. the grizzled kind of you know veteran Bond. How how did you let's break it down kind of like chronologically? How did you feel about his decision to once he you know we he evidently he you know he hits the water he's not dead yeah um, he he climbs out of the water at some point and instead of you know trying to find some way to contact his service he decides right. to fuck it. That's it. I'm done. Cause he's, he's basically upset because M he heard M say, take the shot, you know? So how do you yeah. feel about that decision? I think that, um, one thing that I like about Craig's portrayal of James Bond is that he keeps a very grounded, um, uh, persona through it all. Mm-hmm. One thing that I thought was unique about this, and it also it also lended to me being okay with the time passage. Here he is, Quantum, he's a young guy, and here he is in Skyfall, and he's much older, mm-hmm. is the dialogue that he has with Judy Dench as M in her flat when he resurfaces. Right. 
that and he is openly talking he's actually openly talking about this right he looks terrible <laughs> right you know i mean he looks he looks bad right. yeah um and they you know they're they're having this direct communication um it was a it was a rare display of of honesty that i think only would have happened after years of seasoning agent to superior officer because think of it this way the same kind of conversation could have happened in quantum of solace mm. when he brought back mr white and she was talking to him about Vespa. that's an excellent point right and he if that conversation happened some years later she probably would have got some real talk from him mm-hmm. yeah but that point in quantum he doesn't actually even give her a a, a seed of that until the final scene when he says you know right. you were right um, right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think those are excellent points. I think, you know, this is the first time really where we get a completely directionless, directionless bond. You know, when he when mm. he's hiding out mm. on the Turkish coast um, it's very clear that he doesn't know what the fuck to do with himself. You know, he's basically he's left the service. Um, he feels betrayed by him, you know, mm-hmm. take the shot, mm-hmm. take the shot. Um, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he's kind of like just drifting through life and it's all over his face. And, and Craig does a really good job of acting. Cause you can, you know, he doesn't really, there's not much dialogue. I don't think there's any dialogue. Um, but you get that, it, it, that emotive feeling off of him that he's kind of lost. Um, even when he's yeah. in the bar, you know, doing the, the drinking game with the scorpion, you know, you get the, the sense mm-hmm. that he's just, you know, passing time or biding time until, you know, whatever happens, he can find some sort of direction. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, Arthur, because it brought me back to one of my favorite scenes and one of my favorite Bond movies in Living Daylights when Bond, in the beginning of that film, Bond, you know, Timothy Dalton's Bond goes off script, does some stuff. And the guy that the uh, the other uh, intelligence you know, uh, service member that he's working with, a guy named Saunders, was very much by the book, threatens Bond and mm-hmm. says, look, I'm going to tell you know, him, I'm going to tell all of you, know, I'm going to tell him what you did, blah, 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 blah. Bond's response to him in that movie is go ahead and tell him I don't give a fuck and he basically I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. but he says something like mm-hmm. you know if he fires me meaning if M fires me I'll thank him for it you know mm-hmm. and it gives mm-hmm. you this sense mm-hmm. of oh he's he's not you know entirely happy doing this um, he's not entirely happy being an assassin he's not entirely happy being a blunt instrument or a, you know a cold mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. precise instrument whatever and mm-hmm. he would be happy to leave the service. Whereas in here in, in Skyfall, you get this bond who has left the service and is, is doesn't know who he is if he's not 007. And I thought that was, mm-hmm. that was a very interesting thing. And then also, you know, so, so we see that in Turkey and I think the scene that you're talking about when he comes back and he's, you know, speaking with M in her flat in that, that town home, um, which by the way, I mentioned that to you. That was, uh, I think I, I texted you last night or whenever you're watching the movie, um, that townhome that we see is the uh, M's townhome is actually John Barry's townhome. Um, mm-hmm. He had died the year before um, the movie came out, but they filmed that scene in his townhome. So that was that was an interesting uh, side note. But anyway, that conversation they has with M, I think, is probably one of the best Bond M moments in the entire series. Seven reporting for duty. Why didn't you call? 
get the postcard? Maybe you should try it sometime. Get away from it all. It really lends perspective. Ran out of drink where you were, did they? What was it you said? Take the bloody shot. I made a judgment call. You should have trusted me to finish the job. It was the possibility of losing you or the certainty of losing all those other agents. I made the only decision I could, and you know it. I think you lost your nerve. What do you expect? A bloody apology? You know the rules of the game. You've been playing it long enough. We both have. Maybe too long. Speak for yourself. That dialogue that they have, the kind of, um, you see the intimacy between them. You yeah. know, um, yeah. the jokes, you know what I'm saying? When she says, you know, did they run out of drink where you were? You know what I'm saying? It was like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it was just the byplay between them. I thought it was perfect. And Bond is clearly hurt. You know, you know, when she, you know, take the shot, you know, is that what you said? And she reminds him, we're professionals, you know, saying this ain't about me or you or, you know, how I feel about you. This is about Mm -hmm. getting the job done and recovering that list. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting dynamic between the two of them and the fact that, you know, that whole, you know, old, old theme and old ways and all the themes that get played throughout this movie. You know, Bond is Mm -hmm. like, you know, so we're both played out. And she's like, you know, no, not yet. You know, we're not done yet. Um, so go, go wash, go shave, go wash yourself up. And it was time mm-hmm. to get back to work. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm sorry. And I one just, other thing, just since mm-hmm. we're comparing this, you know, I just compared what I'm called to daylights, compare that scene with him, compare that to Goldeneye. Remember Judy Dench's first film, first Bond film. Okay. The first conversation she has with Bond in that film is basically calling him a, you know, a misogynist dinosaur. You know, and mm-hmm. that again is one of the mm-hmm. best, you know, M Bond moments in the series. So, you know, there's a lot of, and considering what happens to, to M in this film, I think there's a lot of, um, it was a great bookend for her, um, for her character and, you know, for Judy yeah. Tinch's character. And she, you know, I, I think a lot of people say Bernard Lee is their favorite, but if anybody says Judy Dench is their favorite M, I think that that stands up. You know, there's not, there's, you can't really argue with that. So I'm sorry, what were you about to say though? Well, I, I something that you talked about last for last review for Quantum Solace. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, let me rephrase that. What you had talked about when we were discussing the trailer for No Time to Die is that this is the first Bond where he needs to save the world. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a lot more insular, and this one in particular, Skyfall is is a very personal battle that Bond is going through and that's to protect M mm-hmm. um, and protect M nearly outside, outside nearly all of the confines of, of MI6 right. because he doesn't know who to trust and the relationship between M, which I've always liked the relationship between this Bond's Craig mm-hmm. and Judy Dench's M be this, borderline uh you know maternal relationship right. you know really holds up here because she completely trusts him and quantum asalis she didn't know if she could trust mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. you know she thought she could casino she definitely didn't think she could trust him right you know? and she says that great line in casino where she says you know um when he asked her well, how did you know i was going to do blah 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 and she says when i knew you were you you know and so she mm-hmm. she mm-hmm she's teaching him by saying, you know, yeah, you can't trust people, but I know you, you know? And I think in quantum, she knew him enough to know you're not out here because you're a duty. You're out here because of revenge, 
you know, and that's mm-hmm. why I can't trust mm-hmm. you to go do what you're supposed to do. And she reminds yeah. some of that in Skyfall where it's like, you know, we're professionals and we have to, this is what we do, you know, regardless of how I feel and about I, you. And I think that a, that's where gender comes into play because I don't think a Bernard Lee M would have either one of those conversations. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bond would protect a Bernard Lee M in the same way just because they would never have that level of intimacy, really. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, and, I wonder though, if he would have felt even more portrayed. Cause think about, you know, the father figures in your, you know, think about your father or the father figures in your mm-hmm, life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a certain understanding unspoken between men, you know, and it's like usually, and it's kind of like if Bernard Lee's M would have betrayed him, I don't know. I kind of go both ways. I see your point where he may have felt like he may have been more forgiving and be like, well, he was just, he was just doing his job, you know, as him, you know, Mm -hmm. I get that. Mm -hmm. He may have been more forgiving Mm -hmm. because he's not looking for that maternal, you know, take care of me type thing. He's looking, he's probably maybe more, but then on the other side, because of that kind of unspoken bond between fathers and sons, it may have hurt even more. You know what I'm saying? That he did not stand up for me or he did not Mm. put me above the mission, you know, but to your point, I agree with you. He wouldn't. He, I don't think he would have come to him and said that in the way that he said it to him. Because when your mother or your mother figure hurts you, you're more vocal about it. Like you know, you're supposed to take care of me. Whereas if it's the father or the father figure, it's like you, you know, you're not going to roll up on your father and yeah, be that's like, a good point. you know, yeah, you were supposed to do so and so. It's kind of like you might just kind of internalize those feelings. Um, so that's interesting. And also bringing up, you brought up no time to die. It makes me think back to my previous point about bond having problems retiring or being directionless from what we know about no time to die. He's, you know, he's left the service at the end of Spectre and mm-hmm. it's Felix lighter that pulls him back in, um, in no time to die. So that'll be interesting to see too, to see how he's dealing with his post, right. you know, MI six life in Jamaica or whatever. Yeah. This is a very personal, personal relationship oriented bond that we're getting from Craig. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That go yeah. through all that go through all these movies. Absolutely. So let me ask you, do you think um his again, looking at Bond, how he performs and how he was in this movie, in this film, do you think once he finds out MI six has been attacked and he goes back to London, is there guilt there? Because I, I I picked up a little bit of guilt, I thought. See, here's what I think, man. I think that what brought Bond back because if I'm assuming correct, if I'm thinking this through correctly, the the bomb goes off on the either in M's office or at that level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I think is that Bond came back because he thought she was dead. M, that's right. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's a good point. I wonder though, even though it's a clandestine organization, I think if M had gotten herself had gotten killed. That that probably would have been on the news. That would have been like, okay, the head of the Secret Service was killed, you know. But mm-hmm. to your point, Bond may not have known. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they were keeping it secret, you know. So yeah, that I never thought about that. That would be interesting if he came back because he wanted to and he yeah. went directly to her her flat, you know, and broke into her. See, that's crib. what I'm saying. And I mean, you know, I mean we have to make a few leaps, but you know, if you want to be granular about it, when he sees the report, it's a breaking story. Mm. So so in, so you could presume that CNN didn't have all the information mm-hmm. 
in terms of being able to announce somebody's death or confirm one way or the other, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bond had the visual and he knew the layout of that building enough to know. That's our you office. Know, it could be him. Yeah. And him going to her flat, that right away would have confirmed for him if she was alive or dead. He might have known somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying it wasn't like he went, it wasn't like he called Tanner. Right. You know, right. it wasn't like he reached out to Eve. I'm sure he had ways of reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of doing that, he went right to the source. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, which would make sense of it being. And I think he had to, to be good with her before he was going to be good overall. Like that was his like basically the weight of that conversation, however that was going to turn out mm-hmm. was going to be what it was. Because she even tells him you came back because you knew we needed you. Right. And he's and he says, I can't remember how he answers that. But he does say, you know, at some point he does say, well, I'm here, you know, but mm-hmm. it may that may have been, you know, that moment. Like you said, I think you're hinting at that. Yeah, I came back because we knew I knew you needed me, but I, I came back because I know you needed me. You know what I'm saying? Not just the sir. Mm-hmm. I know you mm-hmm. needed me. That's really why I came back. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that's, an, you know, again, I feel like in this in this movie, we got a very, very, very different bond than we've ever gotten. You got a very, you know, you got a bond whose feelings were hurt, you know what I'm saying, by his yeah. his mother figure. Yeah. You got a bond who yeah. physically was unable, you know what I'm saying, to do the things he used to do. Like they were very, very mm-hmm. um, blunt about that. You know what I'm saying? When he mm-hmm. gets back to mm-hmm. MI6, he starts going through, you know, the training and he's breaking down, you know, and it's like that, not just because of his age, but also because he's got shrapnel on his chest um, and his shoulder. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, this is a very different bond. And I think that in my opinion, I know that again, I know that some fans have had issues with this, have issues with this movie because this is not the bond that, you know, this bond is supposed to be Superman, you know, this is a very Mm -hmm. different bond. Um, but I don't have any problems with it. I think the way Craig portrayed it and the way that it was written specifically in the first, I don't know, maybe two thirds of the film. Um, I thought it was really very, very well done. And I I enjoyed seeing him have to overcome, you know, those challenges um, that weren't external, but were very much internal. You know, I kind of enjoyed that. Um, I do want to move into women versus villain, but but I do want to ask you your opinion of your opinion on the siege at Skyfall, the siege on the house, because for me that was that was a little bit grandiose mm. of how they sort of like did that did that showdown um okay i mean just okay so backing up a little bit and sticking kind of with you know how that affected bond the character we see when he's going through the training in MI6 he has to go yeah. through the psychological evaluation and the doctor, I forgot the name of that actor, but I love that. The, the doctor, I love, he's only in there for like, you know, he only had, he's in the movie for like, I don't know, maybe a minute and 30 seconds, but I loved him. Because mm-hmm. um, he comes in, he can clearly see that Bond doesn't want to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. And he says, you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to take you through the word things. You know, I say a word, you tell me the first thing that pops in your mind. For example, if I were to say day and Bond says wasted. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor's like, <laughs> all right, motherfucker. All right, I see how you're going to be. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> take, a, take a moment, take a beat. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do this. Uh-huh. So, you, you know, you have to do uh-huh. it. So just chill out and let me get my questions mm-hmm. out. But they go through the steps of, you know, you know, saying words and Bond's answers are all very interesting. Um, for instance, he says heart and Bond says target. 
um, employment mm-hmm. or murder bond says employment. I thought those, it was all very mm-hmm. interesting answers and reveals, mm-hmm. you know, bond the character. Um, is he's, he's an assassin. Um, but when he, when he says skyfall, I thought that was really interesting because obviously M, you know, told the doctor to say that mm-hmm. M knows mm-hmm. bonds past, you know, she has the file, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? She knows his childhood. She knows the tragedy. Um, she knows, I don't know if she recruited him, um, but she knows how he was recruited, um, to join mm-hmm. the service. And so mm-hmm. that was a real moment of manipulation, you know, of really to see, okay. And manipulation is another theme that gets, you know, told throughout this movie. Correct. M clearly manipulated Silva clearly. M mm-hmm. manipulates Bond. Um, and it's a very kind of look John Lacare esque, you know, aspect of Skyfall. Um, where, you know, the spy masters basically have the spies and the agents on puppet strings yeah. and they're basically manipulating mm-hmm. them. Kind of like control in a spy who come spy who came from came in from the cold. Control and George Smiley to some extent in Lacari's book, you know, are the mm-hmm. puppet masters. Um and the the main character and the other characters, you know, are basically kind of, you know, being manipulated throughout that that story. So I like that aspect and I like the fact that Bond's response to that, you know, when he, when Craig looks up, you know, he says Skyfall, Craig looks at him and that realization comes into his eyes. Like these, Mm -hmm. they, they, they're really trying to get in my head. Um, he walks Mm -hmm. out. So going from that moment to when we, as the audience find out what Skyfall is, the fact that it's this childhood Mm -hmm. home of Craig's to me, I thought that was very well handled, you know, and I, I, again, I know a lot of fans have problems with getting too much into, you know, Bond's feelings and his past and everything, but that part of it I thought was very well handled, and um, I, I I enjoyed it. Now, as far as what you asked me about the whole you know climactic battle at the house, I'm I'm kind of with you. It did get it, it got a little standard action movie esque because it was like mm-hmm. for Bond the climaxes usually take place one they take place in a quote unquote exotic place, they take place in a vehicle of some sort. They take place in a kind of a, um, an unexpected setting. You know, I think about Roger Moore on top of the, uh, the, uh, the golden state, Br- golden, golden gate bridge, you golden know, gate bridge um, and a view to a kill, right. And a view to a kill. Um, even, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the Connery films, even, even though, uh, uh, Russia from Russia with love largely took place on a train and then in a lake, um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you go throughout the Bond films, especially the Brosnan films, um, the climax to, to a uh, golden eye was like a satellite dish, you know? So mm-hmm. it, I do get how the climax in Skyfall was a little too standard. Um, and by that point in the film though, several things had happened and we'll get to this in a minute. Mm-hmm. Several things had happened that kind of uh, brought the film down a couple notches for me. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. It was a little overblown. It was a little overblown to answer your question. So I, I'm guessing that you felt that way as well. Yeah, I did. I mean, the way it was, it reminded me of, um, Harrison Ford's witness. I think that was mm. 1985 where the little kid is seen and he had to hide him on the Amish farm or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got that shot of, of the rogue police officers you know walking down you know fanned out mm-hmm. you know coming into lay siege on this barn or whatever mm-hmm. um i 
get it, though, um, you know, the thing about Skyfall for me is that because I like it very much overall, it's my number two. Mm-hmm. I still like it above above Quantum. Mm-hmm. Um, I always find myself making almost making excuses for it. <laughs> Allowances, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I, I have an because, analogy I'm going to get to later. But yeah, I'm glad you said yeah. that. Because we need Skyfall in order to have the the death scene of M. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important to have that scene between Bond and M with M dying in his arms and have that be away from mi6 to have that be outside of a mission to mm, have that be in a, you know in an, in an intimate space otherwise the scene really wouldn't work good point yeah the power of mm-hmm. it um and also i think it's a, it's a nod to sam mendez's the director sam mendez's uh you know storytelling um he's worked with daniel craig before on road to perdition um and you know he 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 likes that kind of uh maybe not overall throughout all of his work but you know he likes that that intimacy that interplay between parents between between you know um uh mentor mentee uh you know child parent um younger brother older brother so you know what i mean just yeah. this this kind of connection and m his last her last words to bond is uh she said, i hope i'm quoting it right at least i did something i right. did at least i did something right validating bond and basically saying i love you too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know i you know as weird as as weird as it as it is to say this i loved m's death i thought it was i thought it was very well handled i thought it was and you know Mm -hmm. what is overblown as the whole skyfall sequence may have been the dialogue and the writing was very good it never let down from the moment that albert finney's character um yeah, uh, yeah. The gamesman, gameskeeper. Uh, what's his name? Ken Cade. When he steps into view, who, mm-hmm. by the way, I don't know if you knew this. Originally, the thought of the producers was to get Sean Connery to play that role of Ken Cade. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, they. I don't think they I'm ever glad approached it didn't happen. It'd have been a little too. Yeah, it was. A, it was a thought, but I'm glad they didn't either because it would have. It'd have been weird. Um, but yeah, so mm-hmm. the minute that he steps into view and he's, you know, and they have that little conversation. And Bond says, you know, you're still alive. You know, that was, which is funny to me. Um, and then Kincaid continu- continues the theme of, you know, old versus new when he pulls out his knife and says, sometimes the old ways are the best, um, which is mm-hmm. essentially what, you know, um, money or Eve had said to Bond when, you know, before the, the shaving scene um, in mm-hmm. Shanghai. So and then, you know, all the way through M and Bond's conversation, you know, when she's like, I fucked this up, didn't I? And he's like, nah, you're doing your job. All that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the writing throughout mm-hmm. that from the minute they got to Skyfall all the way to the end of the film, I thought it was very good. Um, but yeah, I, I, oh. I wouldn't take away her death scene. I thought it was perfect. And real quick, just a shout out to whomever, be it the writers or Finney ad-libbing, but for Bond to introduce her to say, this is M. Mm-hmm. And then he continues on Emma, <laughs> right? Presuming that that's a nickname, <laughs> right? Right. Com- immediate, I mean, immediately humanized him, mm-hmm. and and you know, and stripped a layer of per- where that made her more vulnerable, just as a you know, just as a person. Mm-hmm. The Skyfall did the actual physical location of Skyfall. It did do a lot to 
um, pull the the curtain back on M a little bit, you know, to reveal mm-hmm. the more human side of it. Because if you remember on their way to Skyfall, when they stop and you know they're looking at the uh, uh, the storm coming, um, mm-hmm. and she you know says to Bond, you know, you know, how old were you when they died? And Bond is like, you already mm-hmm. know all that, you know. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting moment because like, yeah, she knows that, but she was still kind of like, mm. she was. I don't know if she was pretending that she didn't know, but she was still kind of like treating it very from a distance, you know what I'm saying? But then there's mm-hmm. that great moment when they arrive at Skyfall, Kincaid is showing her around and he shows her the mm-hmm. underground tunnel that leads to the mm-hmm. chapel. And she say, mm-hmm. he says to her, you know, when, um, when, when James's parents died, you know, he hid in here for two days or three days or whatever. And mm-hmm. when he came out, you know, he was no longer a child. And then he, he walks away and M just stares at that tunnel for a second. And it's a really good mm-hmm. scene, man. Cause you can see that she's really thinking about bond at that point and not just thinking about mm-hmm. him as 007 or another expendable agent or an mm-hmm. orphan who made a good mm-hmm. recruit, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, she's thinking about him at that moment. And I thought that was very, that showed a little bit of evolution in her character. So yeah, I, I you know, again, from an action standpoint, I think we're both on the same page that we would have preferred a more bond esque, you know, saying um, climax, but from a storytelling and an emotional standpoint, I really, I really, I think we both really liked it. Um, so I think, was there one, there's one other thing um, I think I wanted to say about Bond himself. I think though that was it. Uh, we already talked about his age. I think, you know, this was probably the first Bond film where they just really openly acknowledged his age and the fact that he was getting, um, as, as Mallory put it, you know, he it was a young man's game and you ain't a young man no more. Um, which was mm-hmm. funny He's to me because shit in a view to a kill. What Roger Moore was in his fifties, his mid fifties, late fifties. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you could even see it on the film. He looking up. He's like, God damn, I got to climb up there. <laughs> right. And his age never came up in that movie. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> that was interesting. So, all right. So moving on, what's the next section? Um, okay. Women, women versus villains. villains. Yeah. Women versus mm-hmm. villains. So how did you feel about the bond women in this film? I didn't like them overall. And for a couple of reasons. One, to me, there wasn't one Bond woman. Um, mm-hmm. Severine, who's, at least from how I've seen it, Severine was the one that was sort of put up as, you know, this is the quote-unquote Bond girl. And, you know, forgive me, but trying to find different ways, it's just not, it's very antiquated to refer to them as Bond girls. That being right. said, go Bond women, Severine was... the all, current term. Yeah, Bond women. Yeah. Bond woman. Severine was the was was the one who was put up as 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 the Bond woman for this film. Mm-hmm. But she plays she plays a very very small role. She's really a conduit between Bond being able to get to Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, Money Penny, uh, um, Naomi Harris's character, and you know, okay, Eve Money Penny. That's that's the reveal about the end of the film. Right. Um, is is put in as a quasi. Uh, Bond woman in the same kind of it's like she's like a hybrid between Quantum Solace's Strawberry Fields you know <laughs> and you know what I'm saying and the Halle Berry Bond woman from Jinx. from Tomorrow Never from um, Die Another Day it's 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 never really realized mm-hmm. you know so it could be very well that you know the Bond woman of this film is is a combination of Severine, um, uh, Money Penny, and even M herself. I'm of the camp that M really is the Bond woman mm. 
you know, of this film, the one that lasts through the entire, yeah. you know, through the entire yeah, that's picture the trope, being isn't it? with him. There's one who dies and then there's one who lasts through the whole movie. Yeah. And Anne helps Bond resolve whatever the issue right. is. So Anne made it all the way to the end. She dies, but she made it all the way to the end. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they knew what to do with Eve Moneypenny throughout this because in one way she was initially it was badass. I mean, she was positioned as she's an agent mm-hmm. and she's Bond's second, you know, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. I didn't like her chasing him throughout the picture, showing up in Shanghai, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, goddamn, she, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she, she gets on a damn plane and go out there to, to, to verbally tell him this news and then walks in no, with no issue of him only being in a towel and shaving and, oh, you know what, let me shave you. Matter of fact, you know, you're really tall. Why don't you sit down and I'll get on my knees and shave you. It's just very, what the fuck, you know? I, I didn't really, I didn't really appreciate that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So but let me ask you this, though. And go ahead and get your other issue out with with Eve because we talked about it before. Her demotion. I mean, at the end of the day, after all of this, <laughs> after all of this, she decides, you know what? I'm gonna be an executive assistant. <laughs> I'm gonna sit behind this desk. Just how we gonna do right. this? And it just seemed like she was the fin of this, mm-hmm. you know. And no no disrespect to the actor John uh, Boyega, um, but we all know that Finn was completely marginalized. In right. all the Star Wars films, and I do worry that because I, I I forget I got to watch Spectre again. I know they have a scene, but she's hardly in there because I don't really remember mm-hmm. her in it. Mm-hmm. And I really do worry about what they're going to do with Money Penny and No Time to Die. Yeah. Is she going to go back to the standard trope of he walks in, gets the mission, you know, flirts with her a little bit, and then goes off? I think so. Yeah, I think that's what you're going to get. And then we're just going to check in with her with the banter between her and um. Um, uh, Bond. Not enough excitement in Istanbul. I've been reassigned. Temporary suspension from field work. Really? Mm. Something to do with killing 007. Well, you gave it your best shot. It was hardly my best shot. Not sure I can survive your best. Doubt you'll get the chance. I'm assisting Gareth Mallory in the transition, and then I'll be back in the field. In your defense, the moving target is much harder to hit. Then you better keep moving. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because I really liked her introduction in Skyfall. Um, I liked the fact mm-hmm. that she was in the field. I liked the fact that you know it was a very natural kind of reveal of who she you know quote unquote really is. Um, yeah. But it is a really silly thing the way that they made her. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Be, basically, become a executive secretary. It was very odd, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. no disrespect to secretaries or executive spe- secretaries out there, but typically you don't see someone go from field agent to that. And yeah. maybe if Tanner didn't exist anymore and she became, she took over the Tanner role of basically mm-hmm. becoming um, the executive assistant or support you know, to M. Yeah. So basically she yeah. still is involved in field operations or operations period. Um, yeah. that would have made, made a little bit sense. more sense, but they wanted her to be money penny and money penny is an, 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 an admin. Um, right. and you know, that's, I feel like should they have introduced her as just as an admin or should they, I don't know how they could handle that, but I think they could have handled honestly, it man. And this is a complete rewrite of history, but you know, honestly, if Eve Moneypenny was the replacement for Strawberry Fields, mm-hmm. you know, and because 
Strawberry Fields, and, and she still lives, you know what I mean? She wasn't murdered, but we knew that Strawberry Fields was, in fact, an admin. Mm-hmm. And then she became Money Penny. Uh, you, oh, so that would have like, been a up, that been that, step that, up, that'd have been right? that would have been a better yeah, just however that could work out, right? You know, she, but that would have been the better line to it, right? Cause because she was stationed in uh, uh, South America, and then she gets promoted to being the basically the the assistant towards the top dude. You know what I'm saying? So right, yeah, I can see, yeah. So maybe if M or if uh, uh, Eve was stationed in Turkey, you know what I'm saying, as just a mm-hmm. as quote unquote just a secretary. And then somehow gets drawn into the action in the beginning of the film. But then by the end of the film, she's been re-stationed uh, in London as the executive assistant towards Mallory, towards right, him. because she's got some skills. She's got some knowledge. They've seen how she right. how that's she's actually, able to that, handle that herself. That actually works, Arthur. That's, that's, hey, that's, that's, I, yeah. I can roll with that. That, was, that, that works. Um, so, oh, you know, okay. So overall, though, but okay. how I feel I'm about off. The, I'm off of that. Right. So <laughs> how I feel about the Bond women in this movie mm-hmm. Let me start with the X factor. I think I enjoyed the Bond women more than you did. Um, but let mm-hmm. me start with the X factor. And that is, and this is one thing that they do in, in Bond movies that kind of entertains me, but it irritates me at the same time. Oftentimes, because the Bond universe is filled with so many fine women, there'll be some random fine ass woman that'll be in the, you know, a scene or whatever. And then you'll mm-hmm. never get any more information about her. You never see her again. And you like, wait a minute. What happened? To, you know, what happened to Homegirl, mm. who was in, you know, that scene right there? When Bond um, goes in, basically goes into hiding after he's, he recovers mm-hmm. from his bullet wound, he's on the Turkish coast, um, presumed dead. The first time we see him, he's making love to some nameless woman. Um, yeah. And then afterwards, right, that he never speaks to, never <laughs> speaks to. It. Apparently, not just in the scene. Probably, period. He never talks to her. I mean, and then we just see him walking on the beach. Was it her spot? Was it his? <laughs> Did he just leave. But we see. We see it does it does it does you know in all fairness it serves a story point because um, mm-hmm. after they make love you see her you know she's vying for his attention basically and he's just so distant because um, again he's mm-hmm. lost mm-hmm. you know he's he's emotionally mm-hmm. he's lost but I call her the X factor because not only you know did she serve a story point she was fine as hell and I'm like she should have they should at least given us a name for her or something because in my book right. she's one of the Bond women of this movie. Um, Mm-hmm. similar to other Bond women who have kind of like floated um, since I got the Pierce Brosnan movies on my mind right now in the beginning of uh, I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies he's up at Oxford you know quote unquote brushing up on a little Danish and he's you know has a, a Danish instructor who he's you know um, fooling around with and I, I consider her one of the Bond women of that movie um, so mm-hmm. yeah she's uh, this this woman here on the Turkish coast in uh, Skyfall she's an X factor to me she raises the level a little bit of the Bond women in this film. Now, to your point, I've just discussed Eve Moneypenny. I agree with everything you said about Moneypenny. I pretty much agree with. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed mm-hmm. her more than you did, though, because um, mm. especially at the beginning of the film, and I had no problem with her showing up in Shanghai towards the midpoint of the movie, simply because Bond himself says to her, "You're overqualified." You know, why are you coming here to deliver a message? You're overqualified for that, especially since M already gave me the message. And then it's revealed really it's Mallory who sent her there kind of to spy on Bond. Um, so I had no problem with her showing up in Shanghai. And I like I think some of the best dialogue in the movie is the byplay between her and Bond, um, okay. which fits with the uh-huh. whole money penny Bond vibe uh, when she's shaving him, you know, and she says to him, he's he's basically trying to get her in bed. 
and she's telling him, you know, hold on, you know, I got a razor to your neck, basically. So you might want to be still. Um, mm-hmm. And then she reinforces the whole, you know, theme of the movie, the old ways are the best. You know, and she tells him that she mm-hmm. looks, she mm-hmm. he looks like an old dog, new tricks. Um, I like the fact that they leave it up in the air. It's ambiguous whether or not they actually slept together, um, which again mm-hmm. fits with the whole Bond money penny vibe because all the flirtation that you see prior to that is kind of um, built on the fact that you don't know if what you know you don't know what went down in Shanghai. Um, it's mm-hmm. presumed that they did something, um, but we don't know for certain, and they never confirm it. So I like that. But I gotta tell you, man, the for as far as the Bond women are concerned, I'm a little bit torn because of Severine. Um, okay. I really liked her in this film. I think I, I believe her name is Bernice Merlot. I'm not sure. I can't pronounce her last name. She's a French actress, I believe. Um, she's beautiful. I thought she was a very, very talented actor. I think there's several scenes where just her facial expression and little kind of um, her mannerisms and things that she does mm-hmm. really does a lot to pay off on um, the the emotion of the of the non dialogue or the the motion that you're supposed to get from that scene. I thought she did really really well. Um, I think she's mm-hmm. underrated, but I also have a a huge issue with how she was how her character was dealt with in this movie. And mm-hmm. we could do a whole episode on the tragedy of Severine, but we we don't have time to do that right now. But basically, this is a character who's revealed to us was um, sold into the sex trade as a young girl, you know, as a barely mm-hmm. as, a, as an adolescent, basically, um, is, quote unquote, rescued by Silva and basically becomes, you know, a, I don't want to say a slave to him, but, uh, you know, essentially, you know, um, a servant to him um, and lives mm-hmm. in fear of him. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for many, many years. And then um, she gets, you know, Bond essentially uses her to get to Silva. Um, they do have sex. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's consensual, but it also feels a little odd. And, ret- and you know, when you know her backstory and you know that um, what Bond is after, it does feel a little odd for, you know, them to connect, especially, you know, when you, especially in the light of how quickly she is disposed of. You know, in this film, right? And right. that was um, her her death. I thought was was handled very poorly in this movie. Now, mm-hmm. as we said, is very typical for a Bond woman. You know, there'll be one that lasts the whole movie, then there's one that gets killed midway through the film. It happens in damn near all the movies. So I wasn't surprised that Severine got killed, but I was surprised at the way she died. Um, you know, she essentially gives Bond what he wants. You know, she brings him to Silva. She introduces him to Silva um, and she is, you know, she's there separated. And then we get the great scene, of course, between Bond and Silva, which we'll talk about in a second. But then the next time we see Severine in the middle of that town in that square, um, she's been brutalized. You can tell they mm-hmm. beat the hell out of her mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she looks up and man. And when you go back and watch this movie again, Arthur, the expression on Severine's face when she looks mm-hmm. up she knows mm-hmm. she's about to die and she has resigned herself to that fact. And it was very powerful. That's why I said the actress did such a great job with it. Um, but then they proceed to humiliate her even more. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Silva puts, takes the, 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 uh, the small, the shot glass, puts it on mm-hmm. her head and basically, you know, plays the game with bond of, you know, seeing who can shoot the shot glass off. And of course, mm-hmm. Silva murders her. Um, mm-hmm very nonchalantly which 
arguably that's, you know, the reason for that is to show how terrible a person Silva is, you know, so it, it, as the audience, it makes us more um, motivated to see him get killed, you know, to see him, mm-hmm. to, to see Bond, you know, in him. But even Bond's response, you know, he gives a real flip response, you know, when Silva says, what do you think about that after he murders um, Severine and Bond says, you know, that's a waste of good scotch. Then Bond proceeds Arthur. And this to me, this is where the movie kind of up until this point, the movie kind of mm, there were some things that did make sense. But overall, logically, there's a lot of things that did make sense. But this is kind of where it starts to go off the cliff a little bit as far as plausibility and, you know, shit that just didn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. Immediately after Severine is killed, Bond takes out, I think there's like five dudes there, maybe six dudes. Yeah, Bond takes them all out. And I'm thinking... Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do that before dude shot <laughs> Severine? You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he gave you the gun first. <laughs> it was the same setup. It wasn't like he got an extra weapon or something like that. He could have done that a minute uh-huh. ago. You know what I'm saying? It was uh-huh. like he had told Severine, I'll protect you. You know, I can protect you from him, um, right. which he doesn't do. He failed. Bond fails to protect all the women in this movie. You know what I'm saying? He, exactly. He, he doesn't protect Severine. M gets killed, you know what I'm saying? It's like, dude mm-hmm. is batting zero right now. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, and then immediately after that, Arthur, Severine's dead, Bond disarms everyone, the reinforcements mm-hmm. show up, and what do you get? You get Bond theme. Dun-na, dun-na, dun-na. And it's like, I remember being in the theater feeling like this feels very odd to me, that this woman just got yeah. just got her shot in the head um she's gone and now we're like in celebrate we're like literally 30 seconds later we're in the bond theme mm-hmm. celebration you know ooh, isn't mm-hmm. that cool bond just did it just didn't feel right i thought it was very off off key you know what i'm saying it felt very weird did you did, did you pick up on any of that or no not the full circle that you did i mean you broke it down really well i mean the only way that i was able because you know i just got through talking about how i try to excuse this film because i want to like it so much but you know it, the only way it was able to make sense to me was to say that Silva did this to provoke Bond. Mm. He was trying to provoke a reaction and Bond not wanting to take the bait makes the quip about a waste of good scotch to say that, you know, to really mask what his, what his feeling is as a way to, I guess, disarm Silva and maybe the henchmen to even be able to do that. I don't know. Mm. Because the only thing that was different was I think that Bond had a gun to his head when Silva told him to take the first shot. Mm-hmm. But Bond didn't have a gun to his head. I'm pretty sure he didn't have a gun to his head when Silva took the shot and killed her. Mm, I don't. Whereby yeah. Bond had an opening to be able. But even you know, if he didn't have that. an opening, when he finally does take the dude out, dude had a gun to his head at that point. Because remember, Bond spins around and hits, you know, knocks the gun out of dude's head. Oh, that's right. So it was like the stakes were always the same. Could you have done this like 20 <laughs> seconds ago? You know what I'm saying? Before homegirl had to take one in the head. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. What? So I, I, yeah. again, we could do a whole, I think Severine's character, I think, is, 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 is fascinating to me because I think of, you know, everything that they kind of build up her background and her role in, you know, Silva's organization and just her reactions to him, all these things. But again, the tragedy of Severine, I think, is, is, is another episode. But when you go back and watch it again, I'm telling you, that look that she has when she's tied up mm-hmm. in that man, mm-hmm. it's like, it's devastating. Look. It's like she knows yeah. this is it. And um, 
you know, the, the, the way I didn't, I guess I didn't have a problem. If I would have written it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have killed her. Cause I think it would have been more powerful, powerful for her to survive. And later on to see her make a choice, you know, that was her choice. It wasn't the choice mm-hmm. of bond or Silva or any other man. It was her choice. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been interesting, but in the context of the story, I don't have as, as much problem with her dying as I have with how she died and the reaction thematically from the filmmakers. Cause again, it's mm-hmm. less than 30 seconds later, we're getting this bond theme that we're all supposed to be geeked about. And I'm like, I'm still tripping that they just, you know, dispose the old girl like that. And then they never mention her for the rest of the film. She's never mentioned mm-hmm. again. Um, I know that bond is a, is a cold hearted bastard. I know that's the way he's supposed to be portrayed in the films, but I feel like Craig's bond in particular is not that cold. You know what I'm saying? He's not, they should have, you know, at the very least he could have, you know, told Silva, you know, you want to pay for that or, you know, whatever, something, you know, cause she mm-hmm. didn't deserve that, whatever he could have said. But the fact that she's never mentioned again, I think is a, was a misfire from the filmmakers. Yeah. Maybe they could have, they could have done something cause, and you know, unless he had a Vesper moment, like, okay, I remember the last time I got caught up with having feelings for a henchman's ex-girlfriend. Watch out for them henchman's ex-girlfriends. Right. I was naked in a wicker chair with the bottom cut out. Watch out for the villain's ex-girlfriend. Never again. Never again. That's never going to happen. So, All right. All right so, who do, so who do you... Okay, yeah, villains, because uh, I know we're running short on time. So, villains. Um, very quickly, I'll just say Sylvia is absolutely one of the best. You know, in the series, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what mm-hmm. what what my man did with him was like, wow. You know, I don't know how much of this was written, how much was improvised. I'm sure a lot was written because it's a very well written film. But at the same time, um, why is the actor's name leaving my mind that quickly? Uh, Javier Bardem. Bardem. Bardem's um, choices that he makes, you know, what I'm saying, and how mm-hmm. he phrases things, and the little pauses that he has there's a great moment when mm-hmm. he's um when they're in you know silva's headquarters and he's basically giving bond the business by telling him you're not ready you know and she sent you out here knowing you weren't ready and he starts running down bond's test scores to him like mm-hmm. this you failed this you failed that he says one and then he pauses for a moment and he just looks at bond and it's i i never caught this until i saw it the other night but he he's just staring at bond like letting it sink in and it's just like damn this is this dude is a really really great actor you're still clinging to your faith in that old woman when all she does is lie to you she never lied to me no no what did you score on your marksmanship evaluation 70. <laughs> 40. did she tell you the psychologist cleared you for duty yes no no medical evaluation fail physical evaluation fail Psychological evaluation, alcohol and substance addiction indicated. Oof. Pathological rejection of authority based on unresolved childhood trauma. Subject is not approved for field duty and immediate suspension from service advised. What is this if not betrayal? (laughs) She sent you off to me knowing you're not ready, knowing you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. Um, so Silva, I think, goes down in history as one of the better villains, even though, um, you know, his choices in, until Spectre messes some things up, which we'll get to in the next review. Um, we at this point, we feel like everything he's doing is, you know, motivated by personal revenge and betrayal. Mm-hmm. He feels he feels towards them the same way that Bond felt in that moment when she said, take the shot. 
Right. Silva feels betrayed. This is his mother figure. Um, right. To the point where at the end of the film, he's unable to kill her. You know, he's done all this to mm-hmm. kill her. Mm-hmm. And for the second mm-hmm. time, because remember in the, in the, at the board of inquiry, he has the gun pointed at her for a second. He can't pull the trigger. He's just pointing. He at hesitates. Her. Yeah. Then at the end of the film, he the same situation. He's got the gun on her. He could kill her right there. But instead he's like, here, you kill us both. Which is like free I, us both. I, yeah, free us both. Like I'd rather, you know, yeah, I want to kill you, but I don't know if I can, you know, I just want to die. You know, so we'll both go at the mm-hmm. same time. It's he's mm-hmm. a very complex and interesting character. Um, and I think Bardian's portrayal was, was excellent. So I, I loved him. How about you? I thought he was great. And um I thought that M's admission for to Bond that she gave him up. Um played into the narrative mm-hmm. and you know I f- felt that and you don't see it played out but you know I mean I felt that Bond had some some synergy not necessarily sympathy mm-hmm. you know but related a little stronger to um, to Silva's situation mm-hmm. where he was coming from mm-hmm. because it's it, he was basically coming to the real bomb was coming to the realization is like yeah dude's right I, I'm 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 the hot one right now right I'm you know I'm the, I'm her flavor <laughs> right and he says she, she, she manipulated you the same way she did me because he remember he mm-hmm. said you know or no he doesn't say manipulate he says um you know she made you feel like it was your choice and Bond because Bond was like you know she didn't make me do anything when she he's like nah she made you feel like it was your choice but it wasn't and he said that's mm-hmm. what she does. You know, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. thought was really mm-hmm. powerful. Um, I liked his I liked his style. Also, he was very. Uh, you could tell that he was a double A, a double O. Mm-hmm. You know, it, he. Um, I like that. Uh, I mean, I, I like him as an actor, and I like the characters that he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, coming behind, uh, doing that role after um, um, No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. where he's just a cold, cold, almost no spoken word killer. But um, I think here playing this 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 somewhat flamboyant, um, you know, sexually ambiguous mm-hmm. character um, that knew how to make you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, translated very well. Um, I thought it was a very good scene when he's captured and he's in that glass encasement at MI6 at the bunker MI6. Mm-hmm. And he's having this dialogue with him and he's talking about trying to kill himself with the cyanide pill. Mm. Um, but that goes wrong and burns the inside of his mouth and he takes out his prosthetic and his face sags. It's just, mm-hmm. that was just very classic Bond-esque villain. How yeah. dudes like basically put together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was, that was it. in a movie that didn't, in a movie that kind of basically purposely avoided a lot of the Bond tropes that was mm-hmm. one that was really like that was a strong bond trope and i think it worked yeah that was dope so okay really quickly though um patrice did you like patrice yes or no um because he's a villain nah nah throw nah. away um i yeah. dug him i liked him until i thought the, tra- the the fight on top of the train i thought was physically better than the fight in shanghai even though the shanghai fight was visually better because you had the you know the the um, glass and the you know the, mm-hmm. the flashing lights and all that stuff um mm-hmm. but i thought that he was i like the fact that he didn't have any dialogue um 
and I, I kind of he, mm-hmm. he there's a there's a threat level again. He had a he had a high threat level because he looked very competent. So I liked him. So overall, the women versus villains. So you, I'm guessing you like the Bond villains in this film better than you like the Bond women. That would be correct. Okay. Silver carries the whole thing for me. Yeah, I have to agree with you only because I feel like had they done um, Severine better than they did her, um, I think maybe that would have leveled things off a little bit more. But clearly the way mm-hmm. it turned out, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, Silva just, you know, he, he tipped the scales all the way to the to the villain side. So um, last section of the of this uh, before we get into the to the Q&A to the question and Arthur, um, any last words, Mr. Bond, any last words about the film? Well, it's still my it's still my number two in the uh, uh, in the in the Craig series. Um, it did give me high hopes for for Spectre. Um, I I did feel that that the that the Bond franchise was um, it's gonna sound a little corny, but you know was in good hands. Like okay, we're solid now, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you know I could chalk up the writer strike to the failings of quantum and it was, you know, you know, we're good now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did wish that, um, I guess I wished as long as the movie was, I forget the running time, but I know it was more than, I think it was more than two hours. Two hours and maybe two and a half hours. It was a long movie. Yeah. Kind of like this podcast. Kind of like this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would have liked a little more, I, I would have liked a little more story um, about, uh, about Silva. And I don't know how you would have been able to convey that. I think you would have needed to, to convey that through Severine. And maybe if Severine was positioned as a, a, a pussy galore or a Dr. Goodnight, Holly Goodnight. Right. The relationship between the, the you know, the female, the woman and the henchman. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have gotten some of that um, instead of portraying Severine as a victim, you know, throughout a disposable victim at that. And I think that the the end sequence, which was to me a little over the top and borderline unrealistic, like to me, once the helicopter showed up, everybody's dead. Um, <laughs> right. We got nothing for a helicopter, right? We got a knife. <laughs> we got my you know, father's shotgun and a knife. That's that's not gonna right. work against a helicopter. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I think there was just a little bit uh some things were forced. What I did like about that 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 whole sequence, obviously the church and the death of M, but also um the ice where Bond is is running to the chapel after the mansion explodes because a helicopter crashed into it. He he's caught on the ice by Silva and one of his guys, commandos or whatever, you know, mm. and Bond to escape, you know, grabs dude, grabs the henchman's machine gun, right. rat-a-tat-tat off on the ice, and they fall again through water, which mm. harkens back to the pre-title sequence. Mm. Um, I thought that was a nice visual uh sequence Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that they use you know light and water and survival and just it just it just you know worked really well Mm because all the while you know you kept that it was almost like craig knew that he was going to survive he like bond knew he could hold his breath for three minutes underwater (laughs) you know he needed to get to m you know what i mean he needed to he needed to save her Mm -hmm. um so it's 
it's imbalanced as a mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking through the 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 um, looking through the, the the series of Craig films, mm-hmm. you know, I think it I think it I think it stands up, and and I think it's something that I, I I'd still reach for. Mm-hmm. I still reach for it, but I think that even moving forward, I would still reach for it. Yeah. Definitely before Spectre and, and and probably before Quantum of Solace. This, you know, this movie to me, Arthur, is basically, and I thought about this a lot after I watched it, because I was I watched the Blu-ray and, you know, uh-huh. which really brought this to, to, to the forefront, the Blu-ray on the big screen. This movie is like a beautiful woman or a beautiful man, if that's your preference, whatever. Mm-hmm. This movie is like when you when you are infatuated or in love with a beautiful woman, there's a lot of things you forgive, you know, beautiful from, I'm saying beautiful, not in a general, I'm saying from an objective uh, or a subjective point of view, not an objective, but mm-hmm. a sub, whatever you find beautiful. And with a woman that you are in love with, or, you know, a beautiful woman that you are infatuated with, whatever you forgive a lot of things. And this is a gorgeous movie, man. This is a gorgeous mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And you forget, mm-hmm. or you forgive, I should say, you forgive a lot of things you forgive the fact that, you know, the villain wins in the end, you know what I'm saying? Which never mm-hmm. happened in a bomb film. How does the villain win? The villain won. Um, you forgive Indeed, yeah. the fact that, that, um, uh, for example, all the implausibilities, you know, when the train perfectly timed train crashes through the wall that, you know, when Silva makes that explosion, when they're in the tube, uh, the tunnels and the train comes through and almost kills bond how in the hell does Silva know he's going to be standing there? How did, you know, how mm. did that all, you know, how did that come about? How did that mm-hmm. whole sequence happen? You know, how does yeah, Silva everything know? had to work? I mean, he had to be, everything to had to work perfectly on time. <laughs> <laughs> That's all kind Q of stuff had, needed to happen. <laughs> Q, Q had to uh, plug the Silva's laptop into, to MI sixes, you know, connected to their, their system. How mm. did he know that was going, all these things happen and you forgive those things because she's beautiful. Cause this movie is beautiful. You forgive the fact, um, the board of inquiry, mm. bro, when <laughs> they mm. know Silva is headed towards the board of inquiry, right? This, this dude just yeah. escaped from, from prison. He's deadly, probably got other deadly people with him. He's headed uh-huh. towards the board of inquiry. And they're like, hold on. We can't have Emma's like, well, I can't, you know, be disrespectful. I can't be rude. And it's well, like, she's like, I can't, yeah, I happens? can't show my weakness now. <laughs> I can't, I gotta get this point across. People. That, yeah. I can't uh-huh. turn. That would be rude, you know, to turn my back mm-hmm. on me. Now the consequences that or what should have occurred to anyone in that situation would be like, yeah, but if this cat shows up here, he's going to start shooting people. And that's a little bit worse <laughs> than being rude. So Silva yeah. shows up murders, like, you know, 20 people, all because M and Tanner thought it would be a good idea for her to stay there and not just hit in real life. Obviously you're going to hit an alarm. Like, excuse me, minister, we have to interrupt these proceedings. That homicidal maniac that we just caught, he's headed here. So we need to shut Mm -hmm. down, put everybody Mm -hmm. on red alert and shoot him as soon Mm -hmm. as he shows up. So you, but you forgive all these things because she's beautiful. This film is beautiful. And as I was watching it the other night, that's what I find myself doing. I'm like, wow, you know, there's a lot of, flaws in this film are there as many flaws as there is i think there may be more you know more um plot holes in this film than there are in quantum Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i I think i have Mm -hmm. to go back and look at quantum and think about it but skyfall makes up for them and i think it made so much money at the box office because one again Mm -hmm. it's beautiful and also because it's a movie's movie you know it's it's you had to see this thing on the big screen 
um, the themes that run through it, the mother son theme, the betrayal theme, um, the old ways versus the new ways theme. These are universal Mm -hmm. themes. Mm -hmm. These are things that everybody can relate to. So people who are not serious Bond fans back in 2012 and 2013, they went and saw this movie and some of them saw it twice or three times because it was just that film that connected to so many people. So as a beautiful woman with those type of um, uh, universalities around it, I think that it it overcame a lot of its flaws and made you Mm -hmm. forgive them. Um, so at the end of the day, that's kind of my last words. That's kind of how I feel about this movie. Um, it had a lot of great things. I thought the introduction of Q, of Money Penny, I thought all those things were handled very well. Um, in the yeah. sense of here we have these legendary characters coming back. Uh, you get M, the old school M office at the end of the film. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Bernard Lee, uh, was it Robert Brown? Was that the second? I forgot his name. Anyway, you get that type of um, revival, you know, back to um, back to that type of traditional traditions um, in this movie, not in this movie. And I thought they were all handled very well. But again, um, everything that's great about this movie kind of makes you forgive what isn't so great. Um, So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I come out. And I think that I understand when a lot of people rate this movie so high and forgive a lot of those things because it's, you know, it's, it's a movie's movie, man. Um, and we'll, when we do the Spectre review, I have some interesting thoughts, I think are interesting thoughts on how some of the things that happened in Skyfall came back to bite um, the franchise in the ass, basically, um, and didn't necessarily make you forgive them the way that we forgave them in, in Skyfall. So that's where I'm at. All right. All right. We're uh, running really long, so we need to get into uh, Q&A. Um, so basically, listeners, in case this is your first episode of 007 and counting um one i encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episodes but at the end of every episode we do um q a which is a aka question and arthur um trivia based on the movie that we just broke down and this is where i basically test arthur's knowledge now in the first um version of this in casino royale um arthur aced it as he just mentioned at the at the beginning of this episode and um he was like he's he's really cocky about that so I came back in Quantum of Solace <laughs> with some harder questions and um, I caught my man slipping. I caught him. I caught him asleep at the wheel. And I think you got what? One out of three on that one. I did. Um, I did. So, yeah. So this is this is either going to be Arthur's redemption or Arthur is going to his further fall. <laughs> so what happens uh, in Q&A? I ask Arthur three trivia questions based on the film we just saw. Arthur gets 25 points for each question he answers correctly. 25, just in honor of the uh, No Time to Die being the 25th Bond film. Um, And listeners, you guys should play along as well. Keep track of your score. Um, And then at the end, after we do the uh, the Spectre review, we're going to reveal or we're going to, you know, tally up Arthur's score from all four movies. And um, you guys should tally up your score as well. And we'll kind of like figure out what type of Bond fan you are. So, Arthur. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to read the question twice. Then I'm going to go. Th- I'm going to go through all three questions and then we're going to come back and answer them. OK, so mm-hmm. first question. Um, question number one. Felix Leiter, played by Jeffrey Wright. Felix Leiter does not appear in Skyfall, but he is alluded to. Name the scene in which he is alluded to. Read that again. Felix Leiter does not appear in Skyfall. 
and I see your hands moving. I know you're not on Google right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm typing the question. <laughs> All right. Felix Leiter does on, not appear in Skyfall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my man doesn't cheat. By the way, listeners, y'all better not be out there cheating either. Um, <laughs> Felix, Felix Leiter does not appear in Skyfall, but he is alluded to. Name the scene in which Felix Leiter is alluded to in Skyfall. All right. Question two. Silva, Raul Silva, tells Bond, oh, I should say, Raul Silva, in the scene in which Silva is introduced, tells Bond a story involving one of Silva's relatives. Name the relative. Now, to be clear, you don't have to give the relative's actual name. You just have to tell us how she's related to Silva. Mm-hmm. So I'll read the question again. Raul Silva, when he's introduced in Skyfall, tells Bond a story involving one of Silva's relatives. Name the relative. All right. So third question, final question. Um, and I have to phrase this one carefully because I didn't exactly write it down um, thoroughly. Um, after Silva is captured, Q and Bond are deciphering Silva's computer. I don't even know if that's the right term, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, deciphering code, I guess, in Silva's computer. Bond finds a key that'll help unlock Silver's computer. Now I'm even going to give you this part. The key is the name of an old tube station in London. Name the tube station. So I'll say that again. Q and Bond after after Silver is captured. Q and Bond are deciphering his computer. Bond recognizes a key that will unlock Silva's computer. Mm-hmm. The key is the name of an old tube station in London. Name the tube station. All right. So pencils down. We're going to go back to question number one. And I'm, I'm actually going to repeat it one more time to give Arthur more time to think. He, if and, and listeners, I'm gonna tell you right now, Arthur looks. Arthur has a really like hard, like thought face. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's he's thinking real. He's thinking real hard. <laughs> like my my screen on my computer is like you know like sh- like shaking because Arthur's thinking so hard. All right, so question number one: Felix Leiter does not appear in Skyfall, but he is alluded to. Name the scene in which Felix Leiter is alluded to. I want to say it's the scene in MI6 bunker when Bond is back. He's suited. It's him and, and Mallory in the room. That's where Felix is referred to. Hmm. That means I didn't get it right. No, that means I have a decision to make. You kind okay. of got it right. So I'm trying to decide if I should give All you right. half points or full points. The scene, it is, it is that scene. Mallory is not in the room anymore, though. It's, it's Bond, M, and Tanner. And Tanner uh-huh. says to him, Tanner is, you know, this is after Tanner has shown Bond the pictures of the three people they think, um, you know, are related to the shooting um, in Turkey, the one that, you know, the, the, uh, the incident in Turkey, who the yeah. guy who has the list, basically. And Bond points to Patrice. And they, they're trying to figure out how they're going to track him. Tanner says, we still have friends in the CIA, alluding to their friend. Who's who's their friend in the CIA? Who's Bond's friend in the CIA is Felix Leiter. 
So yeah, I'm gonna give you, you know lighter. what because because I like you, Arthur. <laughs> Even though you were a cocky motherfucker, you was you was mad cocky after episode <laughs> one. But because I like you, I'm gonna give you points for that because it was that was essentially the scene. The only the only the only difference is that. Mallory had exited at that point because remember he uh-huh. he gives Bond a speech about you know it's a young man's game and then he tells Bond not to cock it up and he leaves and that's uh-huh. when they start looking at the photos and Tanner says we still have friends in the CIA so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you 25 points for that so listeners if you got that scene of you know Bond M Tanner slash Mallory if he, even if you included Mallory in M's office. Um, after Bond is, you know, quote unquote, passed the test. He really didn't pass the test. But after he passed the test, mm-hmm. then give yourself mm-hmm. 25 points. I'm going to give you that, Arthur. All right. That's the last time I'm going to be generous, though. All right. Question two. Mm-hmm. Um, Raul Silva, when he's introduced in Skyfall, tells Bond a story involving one of Silva's relatives. Name the relative. It, it was his aunt, right? Is that your final answer? It's my final answer, aunt. It's his grandmother. Ah, grandmother. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I can't give you. I can't give you any points on that. No, you can't. Yeah, so it's his. It was his grandmother's island. That's where it was. So yeah, it was grandma. So listeners, if you got grandma, grandmother, then give yourself twenty five points. Um, if you got aunt, sister, uncle. <laughs> cousin cousin play cousin play cousin you know what i'm saying god brother uh-huh. whatever that's not it it's grandma all right final question number three um after silva is captured q and bond are deciphering his computer bond finds a key that will unlock silva's computer his code essentially um and that key is a tube station in London, an old tube station in London. What is the name of that tube station? Okay, it's, he pieced it together as Q was breaking it. It was like in this cloud toward the hard right. Mm, you got Don that, says, you're right there, you right on, there. Back that up, put that together. And what does uh, he say? He points to it, he says it. He says, that bleep, that's an old that station. Let's, he says, it's been, let's start there. It's been closed for years. I'm gonna say. I can, you me give you. I can give you a hint. Mm-mm. No hints. Let me give you a hint because I think you might. I, I want to see if you get this. Let me let me give you a hint. The it sounds the first part of this station sounds like a station here in Chicago. Um, I'm trying to think how I can say it without saying it. It's a station. You. It's. It's. I think it's just north of the Loop. Um, and it's another way of saying great. <laughs> Hard think face great, on Arthur's face. Hard think face right now. Taking the glasses out, rubbing the great, temples. It's great something. Great cross, great, great hall, grand hall. <laughs> great hall actually sounds, does I, sound British, but no, it's not that. Go ahead. I, I I don't have it. I got nothing. I I see it, but I don't have it. All right. The name of the station is Granborough Station. Uh, yes. So listeners, if you got in. if you got Granborough or Granborough Road Station, either one of those, 
give yourself 25 points. If you got Grand Station, no, that's in Chicago, and I gave you all that, so that doesn't that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Arturo, Arturo goes one out of three. So again, this week. So when it comes to Spectre, I'm telling you, you might want to watch Spectre twice before the next <laughs> before we do that episode, because you see what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I'm getting I'm going hard. So you need to you got you you really got to pay attention. As a matter of fact, maybe. Well, I'm not gonna say that on air because I don't. Then I, then I got a hold to that. So never mind. I'll say that off air. But yeah, you might want to watch Spectre twice. But um, those were hard. I think. I, I, All right. I, I'll give you credit though because I thought the one that was really going to trip you up was gonna be the first one. I didn't think you'd get anywhere close to that because he never says Felix's name. He just says CIA. No. Um, but yeah, you at least landed in the in the room with that one. So good job on that. <laughs> Listeners, go back and listen to the Casino Royale episode and you'll know why I'm being so hard on Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> but as Arthur would say, that's a full lid on this episode. <laughs> this has been our Skyfall review. Uh, we will be back uh, after a, a short break with this review of Spectre. In the meantime, in between time, definitely go back, check out um, previous episodes of 007 and Counting, which is our special Mad Unreal show. Go back and listen to the main show, Mad Unreal, um, episodes uh, located on the same um, on Spotify, iTunes and on the website as well, MadUnreal.com and check out the Music Snobs, the MusicSnobs.com, also available on iTunes, Spotify and what do you say, Arthur? Wherever find something, something are found. I forgot. You said. <laughs> wherever, wherever find RSS feeds are consumed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. So that should be a damn trivia question. <laughs> so check us out there. And uh, until then, um, Bond fans, stay Bond fans. Enjoy your, your bondage over the next uh, month or so until we're back and keep it unreal. Peace. Peace. <laughs>